the new presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Podcasting at its core is about telling stories. At On Education, we've been sharing the stories of students and educators for two years now. That's why we're so thrilled to have Participate as our new presenting sponsor. In this time, we'll work with our friends at Participate to highlight many of the amazing communities there in the hopes you'll seek them out and join the conversation. To learn more about Participate, visit participate.com. It has yeah. felt like forever for me. Like this has felt like a new lifetime. This is like the longest six weeks of our lives. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss the state on remote teaching and learning, debate whether we should be posting our old high school graduation pics on social media, and our guest this week is educator, author, and speaker, Mandy Freilich. I I was telling Mandy, because we just spoke to her yes. um, earlier, that I, I totally have up on my tabs uh, I'm looking I'm doing research on weighted blankets <laughs> and and we were talking a little I, I wanted to save this conversation because I'm, I'm totally discovering this for the first time right now yes. that this is apparently a thing it's 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 a it's a blanket yes that is it's heavy weighted. it's heavy okay and it's supposed to like hug you <laughs> That's like the, and that's like the scientific justification that they use too, is that really? it's it's meant to like replicate being comforted, held, yeah, and that psychol the psychology behind that when you're sleeping is supposed to be you know a thing. Well, if people don't know, you're having huge issues sleeping. You are always a very light sleeper. Well, by light sleeper, I mean you don't you usually don't sleep. Well, number one, very well, but yeah. very uh, the number of hours have always been a concern. Well, yeah. So you've always had different things you've done to try to make, uh, to adjust, like try to get as many hours in as you actually can of mm-hmm. good sleep. Um, but here recently has been worse. And you Much think, worse. I mean, a lot of people probably can can empathize as far as maybe not in the ex- the extreme situation that you're in, Mike, but is it because partially because of all this, I mean, of what the current situation that we're in, the stress levels there, stress levels of everything kind of culminating in one. It's, it has, yeah. it has to be even though like, so without like, like I don't want to belabor on it much, but like I'm very, I'm one of the very, very lucky few whose like personal um, life, mm-hmm. my 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 personal situations have actually improved in the mm. last two or three months. Like as opposed, to, like so, like for example, uh, finances. I was actually saying to my wife, like our. In our in our past, our probably our biggest family stressor has been money. Sure, and this is a thing that everyone is dealing with, or a lot of people are dealing with right now. Yes. Well, I'm one of the, the very small amount of people whose financial situations are actually improving significantly mm. during this time, and and so 
you know, something that would, like I said to Cheryl, I said, listen, if we were dealing with some of the money problems that we had dealt with in the past during this time, wow, I don't know what Crazy. we would have, like, stress like, levels. I, I have insane, endless amounts of empathy for people who are going through, like, mm-hmm. I am really concerned about the economic situation. Like, like, yeah, it's gonna be devastating. I've been thinking about it a lot. And I've been like this close to like being like super hot takey about it. And I'm trying to like think about the big picture and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that there are like millions of people losing their jobs. And, you know, the, the, you know, not to get like hyper dark about this, but like the death rate of from this pandemic cannot be just solely related to the actual medical condition because i can guarantee you we're going to have casualties for lack of better words as it relates to the economic crisis that the whole world is in and going to be under in some way shape or form for let's be real about it folks the next probably two years we're going to be in some sort of situation related to what we're dealing with right now um so you know um, I don't know, like I, 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 I've started a new job, um, and I'm That's working very stress. hard, um, at that as well. Um, but I think there's been some external things, um, you know, so I have about like four or five sleeping disorders. So I kind of like go through a checklist of, of all of the things that are like X factors. So I was telling you just before we went on air, I just bought a new, I literally bought a new mattress. Yeah, it it the, just arrived to to tonight. Yeah, it just like I I'm gonna sleep on it for the first time tonight. <laughs> so I'm like excited because of like if this is the thing that's been bothering me, then I've just you, solved, you solved my it. problem. Right? Yeah, that would be great. Um, so so new mattress, buddy, Hopefully right you there. Get just some yeah. amazing sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I can only hope so. Um, the other thing that I I so I have sleep apnea. So I have mm-hmm. like. If the, listen, if this is TMI, hit that 30-second fast-forward and we're fine. Um, but listen, I so I have sleep apnea and I have a, I have a, a mask. I don't travel with it because it's just a pain in the butt. My apnea isn't, like, um, strong, like, super dangerous. So I don't travel with the all of this stuff. Um, but one of the things that I have never been really good at is keeping it kind of clean and, and stuff like that. Cause it's also a giant pain in the butt to do that. But you can buy like machines where you can put like the whole system in a machine and it cleans it for you automatically. I so it. I, so I bought one of those. <laughs> so, so I, I've only had that for like two, two or three days. So, so, so you're, I'm kind of like buy your way out of this, um, sleep, <laughs> sleeping problems dude i mean the next thing is the weighted blanket too (laughs) and so the next thing (laughs) no joke the next thing is the weighted blanket if anyone out there has the next thing in line after that so so there's quite a list (laughs) yeah exactly so so like don't like i appreciate everyone who said you know take melatonin you know i eat melatonin like candy (laughs) as glenn knows (laughs) like you got to give me like 20 milligrams of melatonin just to stop thinking at night. And you're um, not like me either, Mike, where you don't, you know, drink a whole bunch of caffeine, you know, like right before I have bed one coffee in like the that. morning. That's one. what I'm saying. Like you're not a, you're not a caffeine guy. So you're not stimulating no. yourself in that manner either. No. So I, I have one coffee. I'm, I'm usually done it by seven thirty in the morning. 
and that's the only coffee I drink all day. I I even drink um like a lot less um pop now too. Uh and I'm eating yeah. a lot less sugar, like a lot of diet stuff, like a lot of diet um sodas, pops and um you know sugar-free, like I'm drinking a lot of water. Like I'm doing all the right things, friends. Like I'm mm. exercising. Um and I'm still getting like two or three hours of sleep a night. So, you know, something's there. Hopefully it's bad. <laughs> hopefully it gets solved soon because two or three is horrible. Yeah. Horrible, so, horrible. I, I am, though, solving some of my problems. Well, actually, I'm probably not because I'm playing the hell out of this game I, right now. I was going to say, while you're staying awake all of these hours, I'm you're probably investing <laughs> all of this sure. time into this game satisfactory. <laughs> satisfactory is the new, like, so if you've listened to On Education for an extended period of time, you've heard us talk about Farm Together. Farm Together, yeah. You've heard us talk uh, a lot about um, um, oxygen not included. Yes. <laughs> and the new Farm Together slash oxygen not included even though you game. didn't get really on the Ani bus, but you definitely were on the farm together train for a little while. Oh, God, while. yeah. Oh, yes. Um, is satisfactory. This game is so good, folks. But it is very, like, I dream about supply chain <laughs> management now. <laughs> so we may have figured out what the culprit is, everybody. <laughs> this trying game. to figure out how to run a coal line around a power plant so that you can feed a smelter, so that you can make steel bars, so that you can make reinforced frames. Wow. That's my problem that I'm dealing with right now. A lot of logistics there. <laughs> and this is, everybody, a video game. <laughs> my, my mind it's is so full awesome, of conveyor though. belts. <laughs> yeah. It is so, so cool. Talk about video games. You guys did a, or are oh. working still on the Participate uh, Gone Home, the Gone Home game, and it's a book study. And I knew you had, I was, yeah. I jumped on when you had Paul Darvasi and yeah. you had Funny Man. Uh, John Spike. John Spike. <laughs> I don't know why I could actually just say it. John Spike. And of course, Steve Isaacs and yourself. Yeah, um, and I was watching you play through the game, yeah, um, as experiencing it for the first time. Um, so, tell us about it. What? So first off, you've been listening. You've listened. If you've listened to the podcast, you would have noticed that you heard a new ad mm-hmm. at the top of the show. We Ooh. haven't even talked about that yet. Oh, Par- baby! Participate what? is now the presenting sponsor of On Education. It's pretty exciting. Folks. It's very exciting. Um, so, you know, uh, and now, you know, what's great about participate being the presenting sponsor is is that I work there, (laughs) (laughs) which means that, that, you know, one of the things that we've always been looking for in our presenting sponsor is deep collaboration. Yes. And we've not been super successful with deep collaboration with our presenting sponsors thus far for better or for worse. Um, I work again. I work at participate. <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> so we're really excited. There's a lot of plans in place. Um, and and um, we're gonna roll out some of these things super quick. Um, but we we really want to share the stories of what's really great that's happening in these communities. These these companies. These um nonprofits that have communities on participate. And are really doing amazing work. 
um, and highlighting those so that when you're listening, you go, oh, this is something I'm interested in. I'm going to go on participate and check it out and hopefully join that community and and be involved in that community. We're really excited to share those stories. And so one of the things that's happened is that we've launched, um, in addition to all the communities that we roll up and help people with related to their nonprofit, their organization, their community, you know, their school district, their company, whatever, um, we also build what are called public communities. And these are communities that are tied to kind of interest spaces um, that, you know, I think, A, um, the staff of Participate have interest in, Mm-hmm. Um, working on, um, but also just kind of general broad spaces for for large groups of people to collaborate and communicate and work together on. Um, and one of the newest ones um, that we've launched is a game based learning community, um, and we're really excited about it. It's it's taking off, and and we're hoping that folks are listening to this right now and say, hey, you know, I have an interest in games-based learning. I'm going to go to that community. I'm going to join it. And you'll see that, you know, Steve Isaacs is there, Paul Darvasi is there, John Spike, Glenn Irvin is there. Um, all, And we're launching a games-based learning podcast. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to talk more about that next week because that's pretty darn exciting too. And so one of the things we're doing related to this specific games-based learning community is um a a game study so you you know there's there's book studies where you take a book and you read it together with a group of people and you talk about it Mm -hmm. so we're gonna play a game and we're going to talk about it we're talking about it live on twitch at twitch.tv slash inside participate you can go there and watch us every thursday at three o'clock right now it's thursdays at three um play you're going to watch me play the game um with paul and john and steve so the four of us and we're going to be talking the entire time we're playing and um then we go to the participate game-based learning community and there's a discussion where people can reflect they can weigh in they can tell us their thoughts on the playthrough their own personal playthrough because we're obviously still encouraging people to play as well yes um so, you know, if you have gone home or if you want to go buy it, it's not very expensive. I think it's $15 on the Epic Game Store. Um, you know, join us. We're we're just getting started. Uh, one of the really cool, exciting things that's coming up real soon um, is, uh, well, by the time this comes out, you, you, you won't, uh, you'll be able to catch it on YouTube. But what we're... Um, we're having the the co-lead developer for Gone Home is joining the live stream uh, this Thursday, tomorrow, um, to, so, like, I'm a little bit nervous, because they're going to be playing Gone Home for the developer of Gone Home. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be watching me play yeah, her game. Yeah, she'll be excited, yes. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm, I am pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited about the Participate presenting sponsorship. I'm excited about the communities. I'm excited to start sharing stories about what these communities are doing. Uh, and it kind of all, um, you know, all works together. Um, so, yeah, Satisfactory, Gone Home. Nice. A little bit of oxygen not included. Again, a lot of Minecraft. I got another big announcement coming up next week to share about Minecraft. Mm. Um, but you, like, tell me about 
Mr. Mercedes. <laughs> so if you know me and you've heard, you've listened to the podcast, you know that I hate scary movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that could also include anything that has like jump scares or those kinds of things sure. and it gross things in it. Um, so this show, I'd say would qualify in all of those areas because it's based upon a book series by Stephen King. Okay. So it is a kind of a crime novel, hmm. you know, uh, about a, let's call it a serial killer, you know, kind of that, that, that would be a good description of it. And anyway, my, my wife's a big fan of Stephen King. She's an author herself. Uh, and she just, uh, super passionate about anything Stephen King related had heard of this, this is like, it's not a newer movie at all. And now it has like three, sorry, uh, show now it has about three seasons or so, but she had heard about it. We're like, ah, let's go ahead and start it. You know, we have some time in the evenings now. Um, my goodness, if you've never watched this before, it is well worth getting it. Uh, we just ended up buying the whole season and just taking the risk of it. Um, and it is phenomenal. I mean, right from the beginning through the actual final episode, which usually, you know, those are kind of like letdowns, those final episodes of a series. Um, this is fantastic all the way through. It is uh, great characters, great storytelling. They actually, Nicola read obviously these stories and said that they stick to the characters and the things very well. And the stuff that they decided to kind of take their own license she said was very well done. There were some characters they added as far as in the thing and as far as in the show um, that were very well done. But Mr. Mercedes, highly recommended to anybody that's out there. It's freaking awesome. It's great. Mr. Mercedes, I don't like scary <laughs> movies either, so I won't be catching it regardless of your your high recommend. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not sleeping, folks. Yeah, you, not don't need, go you don't just, need this one. Yeah. No. First episode is brutal. You don't want to watch no, no, no. Let's no. give you some sleep first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so this is this is funny, and I don't have a strong, I don't have a strong take on this, but some I of think our it's interesting. Have. Should we be posting our high school graduation pics? First off, no one wants to see what I look like when I was. 18. I do though. I was just thinking about that. So no, anyway, the, the controversy is supposedly. The reason why people were posting their pics, let's start with that. If we were going to be, if we were going to be, you know, like stating a reason, I, I believe, and this is kind of what people have been stating is they wanted to do it in honor of the class of 2020, whose graduation may or may not happen at the time that it thinks, though I also, don't you think, though, Mike, that people are going to, by people, I mean, the schools are going to make extraordinary efforts to do something for all of these kids all over the nation? Well, I think we're going to do something. I don't know what it is yet. I've heard, have you heard, have you seen this trending on Twitter, by the way? I, sorry, I'm going off topic here. This Barack Obama thing. Have you heard, seen this trending? No. I don't know if you have, but where he's going to deliver a virtual commencement address to all the class of 2020. Have you heard oh, of this thing? Oh, that's nice. I don't know if it's really going to happen or if this is just a giant rumor that then got circulated on Twitter uh, and now it's trending, but it's really trending super high. If it did uh, happen, that's fantastic. I 100% for that. But anyway, it was kind of a, a way to honor them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, let's you know, laugh at ourselves a little bit, whatever it might be. So... 
some of our friends, for example, John Meehan, didn't appreciate the posting of this because he said it was, I think, uh, like, like a throws negative. it in their face. That's yeah, the, kind of that's a negative, kind of throws it in their face, kind of those types of things. Um, and it's not was, making them feel better, it's making them feel worse. And, and I think some of the takes are funny on it because, uh, number one, the best takes are uh, our students aren't on Facebook, <laughs> number one, <laughs> which is a great take. I love that take. It's like, uh, yeah, they don't use that thing. They don't really care they if you care. post your dumb Facebook? high school pics. You know, it's it's us. It's our generation and older people than us, you know, uh, that are using Facebook as far as uh, their, their preferred social media platform. Um, so I thought that was kind of a funny take on it, too. And, of course, some people are just like, ah, it's not that serious, you know? It's not mm. something so, and and what we we do obviously we you know, bef- when we knew this was approaching and we and you were talking about this, the number one thing that we were concerned about is um, our kids is needs, both their physical needs, right, uh, food, those types of things, safety, mm-hmm. and then their emotional uh, needs, so social emotional kind of the connections that they might miss, those things, and making sure that we could reach out to them and. And connect with them as best as we possibly could, um, and and we're still there. We're still doing those types of things. And in this case, we have this class of 2020, and it is a, it's sad. You know, I I, I empathize for that. You know, I feel bad for them as far as not being able to go ahead and celebrate the things that normal senior high school seniors get to celebrate, which would be prom, mm-hmm. um, any kind of culminating athletic or. Uh, other types of uh, activities, their their mm-hmm. culminating activities that they were going to do, and then of course their graduation. But I could, I just have a hard time believing, and I know that my principal, for example, is already brainstorming about how are we going to honor them the best way that we can, and that may have to be that we do a graduation, Mike, sometime later. You know what I mean? Like six yeah. months down the road, we may have to go ahead and get back down and then be able to get back together. We may be, need to do a a combination of a physical graduation sometime later and something virtual that's special for them, you know, for them to be able to commemorate them. Um, I just thought it was a little bit hardcore to think that people were like putting it in kids' faces or, you know, that, that this was such a serious thing. I, I actually just enjoy looking at people's graduation pictures and How i'm gonna goofy post, matt I'm gonna joseph post, looks i'm gonna post mine yeah matt <laughs> oh dude matt joseph is like uh now nah, he was a like, stud in high he's school he's like a supermodel in high school yeah, yeah, he's like yeah. making fun of himself and he was like he's a gonna character laugh when he hears off, this he's like a character off of a 90s uh teenage f- show a nine a beverly hills 902 and no he could yeah, have been totally. a character i mean i'm looking at him <laughs> going like what are you it's like don't make fun of yourself. I'm like, geez. Yeah. You're looking no, I don't have a school. strong. I, I think. So I think there's also an interesting cultural thing here because just graduation and stuff like that is just not as big a deal. Like, like the your senior year. Like, I just, I didn't, I didn't care. And a lot of people I knew didn't care. Like, give me my diploma and let me just get the hell out of here kind of thing. <laughs> um, I, there is the, just, there is those people that feel that way too. Yeah, it's just not as big a thing. I just I have no strong opinion on this. Really, uh, shockingly, for like maybe this is like the only time where I'm not weighing <laughs> in like, on hey, one side or another. One way or the other. I just listen. 
post your damn high school pic if you want to. You look you look pretty dumb. Um, I'm going to post mine. Yeah, I have good hair. You'll have hair. Yeah, uh, which which is funny. Um, So that'll be that'll be traumatizing a little. Um, I was I was really skinny until I was about 22. Like. Six packs. Uh, I, I was in good shape too, but I, I, I was I goofy looking. <laughs> no, not happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, but post your picture if you want. Maybe if listen, if it makes kids feel better, that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if it doesn't. You know, again, it's not they're not meant on to Facebook be. anyways. It is not meant to be. Yeah, to burn them or anything else it's, like that. No. Yeah, the intent. The intent is not malicious. Is yes, it's not mean. So, we have spent a lot of time talking about remote learning, Mm -hmm. distance learning. Those two terms are fairly synonymous, or at least they're the terms people are using to associate with what's going on right now. But I, I really do actually like this reframe this idea of i mean this isn't remote learning this is emergency learning this mm-hmm. is trauma teaching <laughs> this is pandemic time education it's yeah. it's it's not the same as what a robust effective um remote learning situation could possibly look like yeah this is not the model please uh in almost any situation for how this would work if it was working without you know a virus spreading around the world killing everybody yes um and and i think we just need to reframe it that way right yeah and i mean i really like phil poley our friend uh educator in illinois wrote an article that he basically, I like the term that he's using. He says, this is not distance learning. This is definitely not uh, online e-learning at its most effectiveness, as you just finished describing it. This is, he called it educational triage. And that's actually what it is, because we are just trying to do our best. Mm -hmm. And he actually puts, talks about kind of the inequities that we've described, both in technology and in um, economic statuses and accesses and in not being able to go ahead and and the different types of family situations that you may be uh, in um, and everything else in between. And basically, he's talking about how first we have to address those Maslow needs, and we just finished describing those, those things where uh, your security and being able to go ahead and find a good meal and... Uh, just having a safe environment first before we go ahead and do anything with blooms. And then finally, the last layer of that would be technology and those components that you actually learned there. So it's kind of this, this line. Um, And we would never just totally just throw ourselves into this situation. And like I I said, I told, uh, I said it on the podcast before we had an opportunity in Minnesota to have two weeks to train, to prepare for this thing. Yeah. And though that was a significant amount of time, because we've never had two weeks to do anything, you know, as far as the thing goes, you would never 
throw anything together in two weeks and then try to bust something out like that, you know, as far as a, a, such district a gigantic wide. district wide, uh, to every wide, yeah, and then try to say, yeah, this is going to work and be successful. You wouldn't do it intentionally. You would just do it because you had to, you know, this was, this you were going to put a plan in place that was going to be the best plan you could uh, be able to implement for what you currently have and everything, both the training, the technology, to be able to access and all those kinds of things. So I, I think it's really important too, because I have a bad feeling. You know how you were talking about what happens after Mike and, and the article that you were, that you wrote, um, that you authored there uh, for participate that has to do what happens after all this. I have this bad feeling that some people are going to take the worst of what happened here and then apply it to online and distance learning. You know what I mean? So, so cherry pick the things that happened only because we didn't have time to prepare. This is not the set of circumstances that anybody would have wanted. Like you just finished describing a pandemic around the world and then cherry pick those things and then say, this is why online learning or e-learning or distance learning or remote learning or whatever it might be doesn't work. And I think that we immediately need to put an end to that and say, no, that you can't equate those two things. The only thing that we can equate is that we can learn some lessons from this time. And I think that's what you were describing in your article, correct? As far as there are some things that we can learn and then apply it to the fall or to um, to the years to come. So in addition to, I love the, by the way, I love the framing of Maslow before Bloom. It, it really, I'll tell you, it puts it into a whole other perspective these days, um, which is crazy. And um you know, thinking about even some of that stuff as we move forward mm-hmm. um, and what happens, you know, in the future, what happens next and what happens in, well, maybe let's say September when we start going back to our schools. Um, and and I can't help but wonder if um, if people are, are, are going to be afraid to go back to schools. And our, our friend Corey Graham, um posted a Twitter poll that got quite a few votes, mm-hmm. a pretty good sample, 278 votes. Um and the question was simple, if your school opens up this fall, would you feel comfortable slash safe going back to teaching in a building? Please feel free to comment. Fifty two percent uh said yes, they would feel comfortable. Nineteen percent said no, and twenty eight percent said no but i would still go uh, what do you make of this that's where i voted i put no but i would still go i'm still uncertain you know everything's so up in the air um and th- and a lot of it has to do with just obviously uh, some of it is political some of it is just really truly the unknown you know we really just don't know enough and our decisions as communities, as governments, um, as institutions, the decisions that we make, you know, including obviously this kind of stay at home thing that we're doing right now. And then whenever the decision gets made that we should, you know, fully go back, kind of go back with both to schools and to work in general, you know, 
all of those things are going to make a huge impact that we actually, it's so uncertain. You know, that's what's so funny is what a lot of people, you know, you, your pundits get out there and then they're making comments about this or that. We really don't know. And I would rather err on the side of caution than anything else. Though I, I'm telling you right now, I would love to go back and just, you know, to the, the normal and have my kids be able to go back and experience, be back with their friends and do all yeah. the things and me to go back to actual physically going to work. But I put no, but I would still go uh, because at this moment in time, I'm still super uncertain. I think we're so early in this whole process and the way that I hear the the experts in these pandemics and in studying of these mm-hmm, of these mm-hmm. diseases of, of this type of virus they're uncertain and their uncertainty definitely carries a lot of like oh god we need to tread lightly before we make these big moves of and eh, let's all go back you know let's just see what happens because uh, the results could be devastating and that's uh, what i don't want to see you know mm-hmm. for both for my own and my family's safety obviously but for all my community and my you know and all the kids at our schools you know for them too yeah i'd really i, I know that Isaac is missing his friends mm-hmm. um, in his school community. He loves his teacher this year. I think he's missing her because um, she was really nice to kind of, she was a good teacher, like in the classroom, good with the relationships and spending time with them. She had a call with them on Google Hangouts or something uh, the first week they were back and everyone was, it was, it was a gong show but it was like the best kind of gong show. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, they just loved, they loved the the chance to be in, in a chat with her online and stuff like that. So it was really, really cool. He had a really good, he had a really good class this year. I was lucky. Um, uh, I've done it a couple of years where I've had the chance to go in and teach his class. Yeah. Um, I've done it a couple of times, uh, I think in grade four and then uh, didn't last year, but in grade six this year. And, um, he had a really good class this year. Um, so it's a little disappointing now. That being Big said, time. listen, I, I think that the X factor in this answer is whether you have confidence in your district to implement strong, smart kind of safety protocols, regulations, um, procedures for like you can't just go back to school and just like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good article. I'll try to find it for the show notes um, from uh, a writer for the Atlantic who was talking about um, how like this isn't, this doesn't end in September when people go back to school. This, this is like a two year thing folks mm. uh, where, you know, life isn't just going to, you're not going to just snap your fingers and be back to the way things were. Um, there's going to be years, you know, there's easily, you know, eight months before we even have a vaccine and then easily six months before there's herd immunity after the vaccine. So we're still talking like a year and a half at least. Crazy. Uh, before we feel confident in the fact that, you know, that the pack can, um, you know, keep kind of the, the, the vulnerable safe. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of thing. And I don't know. Um, 
I think that if I was a teacher and going back into a classroom, I just have a lot of questions about what you're doing to keep us safe. Yeah. What you're doing to keep me safe, what you're doing to keep the kids safe, and what are you doing to keep my family safe, who I have to go back home to? Mm-hmm. Like, because the, 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 the problem that you have is that you then become a vector for your family. Big time. Yeah. Right. It's exactly what it is. All of those kids go home to their 20 families, 25 families, 30 families, for God's sake. And you don't know, and then you don't know where all of those people in those families have been and who they've seen and who they've talked to. But then they all come back to class the next day. And so you become, and then you bring that home with you. Yep. And so I would just need to be sure that I worked at a district that, you know, there's districts that talk about them caring about their teachers and then there's districts that actually do. And we've seen very clearly the difference between the two. I called it. I swear to God, I called it right at the start of this. I wrote a tweet that got like, you know, it went all over the place. But we're seeing the districts that care and the districts that don't and the districts that thought about how they were dealing with this and the districts that didn't plan. And those districts are going to be the same ones that when you go back to school are not going to have your best interests potentially in mind. Uh, it's just the way it is. I'm sorry, but it's the absolute truth. Um, and so I would be really, really concerned if I was in one of those districts. And then if I was in a district that seems to know what they're doing and care about their staff, then I would be more confident. Is that fair? And and in the United States, I would say, to add to the point there of what you're describing, at the higher level, the state governments, especially with the way that the federal government is kind of passing the buck to the states to make the big decisions, that really is where all of the decision-making will take place. When do we actually go back? will be made at the state level. And that's crazy if you think about it. That's so insane. Each state, I lived on the border of uh, for 13 years between Minnesota and and uh, Wisconsin, Mike. And it was like, I mean, literally you crossed the bridge and you were in Wisconsin and there were schools on both sides, obviously, of, uh, of the things. And we had interactions. We even had uh, athletic and activities that we did you know, across the state lines. I, I can't see how each state, depending upon the person, the people that are in charge, are going to make this huge decision on the behalf of their constituents. Mm-hmm. That's not a decision that's just being made nationwide. So it's so, I don't know, it's so crucial. And I hope that, I mean, obviously I can sense it as far as in Minnesota, we have a, uh, a guy that was a former teacher and you can tell that he has the number one interests of his citizens, specifically when and also his the kids, the students. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. that's their safety is is his ultimate main concern. Though he is interested in obviously in business and 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 the economic impact that you were describing earlier, because it's humongous and devastating. 
the safety of the citizens is number one, and then those other factors as he actually goes through. But that's not everybody, you know, and that's there's 50 different decision makers that are going to be making those decisions, uh, Mm -hmm. at least for us. So it's really going to be interesting and also freaky come fall to see who goes back. Like and actually, some I think some schools still haven't, and we haven't canceled for the rest of the year, though. So yeah. that itself will be a conversation for us to have in the next few weeks. Those of you guys that end up going back to school, we want to talk to you. I, and I'm talking about this year. If you go back to school this year, and you that's going to be that. the plan. Please co- contact us because we want to just I, we want to know what, how the decision was made and what are you guys going to do? You know, are, are you going to practice um, social distance or sorry, physical distancing away from each other? You know, how are you going to do that? It's crazy. Might happen in Texas in two weeks. Yeah, it could. Oh, boy. Well, listen, uh, blooms, blooms needs. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's going to all come back to blooms needs <laughs> at this point, I guess. Um, speaking of blooms needs, uh, uh, when we come back, uh, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time um, laughing and talking with our our very good friend Mandy Freilich. So stay tuned. On Education is brought to you by Go Guardian. Go Guardian helps thousands of K twelve school districts maximize the learning potential of every student by providing solutions that help enable productive and safe digital learning. GoGuardian's products help educators identify learning patterns, protect students from harmful and distracting content, and support mental health. To support schools during their remote learning transition, GoGuardian is offering free access to their entire product suite until the end of the school year. To learn more about GoGuardian and download free resources about remote learning, visit GoGuardian.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week is a prolific author. I love that word. Consultant, speaker, and a great friend of the pod, Mandy Freilich. Welcome to the podcast. No, thanks so much for having me on. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I did say your name right, did I not? I wanted (laughs) to make sure I said your name right. He nailed it. You did. Nailed it. So excited about that, even. It's baby steps right now. Everything is just mini victories, is what I'm clinging to in my life. Um, So, hey, what have have you been up to? What's what's going on with you? How are things? How's your health? How's everyone doing in Wisconsin? Um, Well, Wisconsin, it's been a, you know, 25 degrees, um, a steady 25 degrees for the last month. So that's been really fun because when uh, you say we're homebound, we're actually homebound, you know, like and you guys are in Canada and Minnesota. So you understand. Uh, But I Mm -hmm. did some webinars for a district in Florida today where they're like, oh, it's so warm. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing for you. We're just (laughs) sitting on our couch playing Mario Kart for the last six hours. But that's fantastic that you can go outside. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I have it's it's we haven't been able to do a whole lot. I was. Uh, sick for a little while. They uh, claimed I had the virus. Um, they kind mm. of tested me all around for everything else, and everything came back negative. And so they said, "Well, you have all of the um, all of the symptoms, so we're pretty sure that you have it." But they weren't going to hospitalize me, so they didn't waste a test on me. 
Um, mm. And if it was what they said it was, it was god awful. It was absolutely terrible. And so I'm. It took about a month to recover from that, and I'm just finally Jeez. coming back. And so I've been kind of absent from social media a little bit and things, um, just trying to trying to get healthy. But um, so yeah, trying to trying to play catch up now because it's not like work actually stops. So right. No. No, it doesn't. No, definitely not. Um, uh, it, you know, it's funny that at this point, almost everybody knows somebody or has been in contact with somebody, or you know, I, you know, can can like have a conversation with someone who knows someone who's had the virus. So we're, it's it's really spreading. Like we've had scares in our house. All of our kids got sick in the last couple weeks. Uh, well, two two weeks ago, I guess. And like it's like it's a scary when your kids get sick now it's like it was terrifying to me sure and um and it's funny because i was we we've we texted while you were sick and 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 i can imagine how how scary it, it was and i was concerned i'm like i've been texting friends and like just checking in on people and um you know uh it's it's a it's a wild time but you have been doing uh, i did notice that you've been doing this this coffee edu stuff and i wanted you to share that out so that people can <laughs> can at least, you know, jump in on it if they're interested. So so tell us what you do in, in I guess you're doing this in the mornings. Uh, I assume <laughs> yeah. that's when you drink coffee, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes at two o'clock in the afternoon, but most normal people do it in the morning. Um, and I appreciated you checking up on me as well when I was sick. That, that was um, definitely a highlight. So I do appreciate that. Um, the coffee EDU started literally because I had not really talked to anybody or been in contact with anyone and I was so flippin' lonely. Um, so it didn't mm. matter, uh, you know, even though I had my kids around me or whatever it was, um, mm -hmm. I just needed adult conversation and <laughs> needed to, to say something, you know, have the kind of people around me who lift me up and who want to talk about education and are kind of, uh, on the same wavelength with that and just have those kind of conversations. And so I just put it out there mm -hmm. and, um, you know, people, people joined and it's been some same people each week, some different people, but it's been really a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes we talk about education. Sometimes we don't. Um, a lot of discussion about just what's going on in your area with being locked down or homebound and um, comparing notes kind of for that. So um, it's just something I'm doing for now to help ease some of the isolation and loneliness for people. And so it's been really good. Um, usually it's been on Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, this week it uh, had to be changed to tomorrow because I have webinars to do. So it's tomorrow, Thursday, but usually it's on Wednesday, 930. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. And so one of the conversations that I'm interested in in your th thoughts on um, revolves around um, not necessarily what's happening now, because I think that we've really, you know, um, exhausted the conversation about what we're doing now and i'm i'm done a little bit with it uh, i'm definitely thinking a lot about where we go from here and what happens next uh, i just wrote a blog uh post myself on the participate blog about what happens next and and i'm wondering what your thoughts are on things like uh, so the conversation that came up in, in in some of my Twitter feed over the last couple of days is talking about being afraid to go back, whether we should be afraid to go back when 
um, when we get the chance to go back into the classrooms, what are we looking for? What should we be looking forward to? And what what do you think about like the the psyche of of that kind of process of reintegrating yourself into a into a classroom? Well, I really do think that the sooner that you just accept that things are never going to be the same, um, mm. the the quicker you're going to be able to adjust to what the new normal is. And, um, you know, we don't even know when going back is going to be. Uh, my kids' mm-hmm. school district yesterday sent out um, an email saying that as of right now, summer school is not happening. Um, so unless mm. things start changing, they're not even going to try to do it online. They're just not going to do it at all. Um, so, yeah. you know, looking into into the fall, I think it was the Ohio governor that said that he would be shocked if we went back in, in uh, you know, August or September. And so we don't even really know when going back is going to be. And there's, there's definitely going to be shifts. Um, you know, we're going to have kids who loved the online learning and who loved the virtual learning and who might want to switch into some sort of virtual program or charter that schools have. And then we mm, have the point. kids who are going to be so glad to get back that, you know, they can't, I, I can't even stand it. Like they're just so excited. And, um, but it's, it's definitely going to be an adjustment going back. Um, I think especially for adults, as we try to figure out, uh, you know, just kind of what our new normal is again. And so I guess, like I said, I guess my thoughts are on it. The quicker that you can accept that it's not going to be the same, the quicker you can start adjusting uh, to being ready to how it's going to be. So we like speaking to you about mental health. And I'm thinking about mental health, not only of our students, because we've talked about that quite a bit on the show, um, but us, educators, people, we're, we're at home with our kids, our spouses, 24-7. Uh, and in my case, I even have my in-laws here. Uh, and, it puts, and it puts this wow. sh- stress that's very unique, you know? Uh, yeah. And it, it, I think it, the reason why it's unique is because normally you'd be able to get away. You know, you'd be able to go ahead and say, ah, we're, you know, in five days from now, we're going to go do X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this. Um, and I think that also keeps relationships healthy, um, being able to get away, <laughs> you know, those types of things. Um, sure. And but then we have these work demands, right? And so we are educating from home, and we're doing this distance learning thing. And Mike and I have talked about it, you know, what is it like? What is it, you know, and what I have heard a lot of our educators talking about is like, they don't know. And because none of us were prepared for this, except for people like, you know, like Mike, who actually has done some work from home. How do you separate your work and home life? And how do you make those two things work? You know, and I've seen these kind of neat little schedules, Someone put together this schedule for their kids and it's like one hour of project-based learning and one hour of being creative. And then oh we're going to put together things for 35 minutes and then we're going to go outside for an hour of physical activity or whatever might Glenn be. Glenn is subtweeting. And I actually I saw that and I'm just like, that's so much BS because I, I, 
uh, at least I don't live in that perfect world where I can just plug my kids into those situations or plug myself even. It's hard for me to, you know, kind of do those to say, hey, I'm going to do this routine. Work is part of the routine for me. Now I'm like, now I've started figuring that out is like you wake up, you understand that you're going to go to this place to do this thing called work and you're going to devote yourself to that. But when you come home, then you can kind of separate those things. I think it cause it's causing kind of this new, uh, new mental health issues for people, relationship issues. And how do we separate these two things? And then what kind of suggestions do you have so that we can, you know, deal with this? Like you just said, this is the kind of the new, this is the new normal. We have to, we're in these homes together for these long extended periods of time. You know, what, what are some suggestions you have? Because I'm sure you've heard other people with that, or even yourself, you know, you've, you've been experiencing that too, Mandy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of had a little bit of a, a background in pieces of this before this whole thing started. Like, um, you know, one of the things and I had spoken to you guys before that I did was I left the district and I had to figure out how to work from home. And I was shocked mm. at myself and how completely incompetent I was at first <laughs> at figuring it's my so life out. Like it, was, it, it really is. It should not have been as hard as it was. And, and I would go that, you know, I say to myself, well, I need to create a schedule and I need to stick to a routine. So I would, you know, set my alarm for like six o'clock and I'd be ready to get up and then I'd hit snooze and I'd hit snooze again because I'd have to get up and then I'd be up a half an hour late. I'm like, oh, I've already blown my routine. So maybe I'll just (laughs) sit on the couch for a little while. You know, it was, it was God awful. And so I wasn't getting anything done and really had to figure out what working at home meant for me. And it, you know, it meant that I'm, I'm actually not a morning person. Like I don't like to work right away in the morning. I'm better if I sit and read or something like that and get something, something more, uh, you know, quiet and, and more, um, you know, uh, kind of solidary type work done on my own and then work with people a little later. But I had to figure all of that out. And so I understand from the from the standpoint of trying to figure out how to work from home, um, how to balance family, you know, I still have four kids and, and they're a little bit older. So that makes it easier. But You know, I still have them and trying to balance them and then trying to balance uh, when does work end when people are still contacting you at eight o'clock at night. Um, And and so I, I had taken that experience kind of coupled with the fact that I've been working with districts on moving them towards virtual programs or virtual charter schools like that's been what I've doing. I've been doing as part of my consulting. And um, when. I work with districts on that. One of the most important conversations that I have with them is understanding the mental health aspect of being at home. And um, from the standpoint of just starting a a virtual program, there are challenges that um, students may at first, who are at first taking a virtual program, might think that it feels amazing to be able to work from Mm. home until the loneliness and the isolation set in. And then they're like, Mm. oh, this isn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be. And, um, 
you know, and, and the same thing happens with adults. Like we're like, you know, people will say to me all the time, Oh my gosh, you are so fortunate. You work at home and, and that must be the best experience ever. And I am super, super fortunate for what I do, but there are definite challenges too. I have to seek out adult conversation and, um, you know, I, and, and I have to intentionally create situations where I get to be social and be around people, or I don't get that at all. And um, no matter how introverted you are, you do need that interaction. Um, you know, it's how we process emotions. It's how we, um, some of us, uh, like I'm, I'm a big processor out loud, so I need to process ideas with people. And um, when I'm home alone, I'm missing that. Hmm. Another thing that you kind of mentioned, Glenn, is, is the specific situation we're in now. And, uh, you know, some of us are teachers and um, possibly other workers, if we're doing any other kind of, of work or helping a spouse or something like that. We are uh, parents, sometimes like fur baby parents, mm-hmm. like we're, we're doing all the things right now and we're not meant to do all those things. Yeah. Um, and when you say, you know, uh, my friend Melody McAllister, she's got five little kids and her and her husband are both working from home right now. And if I ever said self-care to her, she would laugh in my face. Like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, like how is self-care fitting in (laughs) here? Um, you know, (laughs) like self-care is my bottle of wine Uh that I've got sitting on the cupboard. Like that's my self-care right now. (laughs) That's it. Um, (laughs) that's it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that you, you do have to make time for yourself. Um, and you know, who knows, maybe that's switching off with a spouse of making sure each of you are getting at least a half an hour to yourself. Um, you know, I, I know that when my kids were little, I used to lock myself in the bathroom and, and they would still pound on the door, but at least I got that alone time for just a little while. (laughs) Like we all did that, right? (laughs) Tell me we all did that. (laughs) Um, but <laughs> it's that kind Give of stuff me is five really minutes. <laughs> just five minutes, just five more, five more minutes. <laughs> um, but that kind of stuff is going to be super important as we work through all of the demands that we're trying to take on right now, which are just, it's just not possible to do it all. Well, and, and you're a, listen, you're a wonderful writer and I, and I love almost everything you have written and I love when you share it with me so that I can make sure I read it. And so I read um, one of your blog posts um, the other day and uh, it dovetails very nicely into what you just said a little bit. And you wrote this, however, this time we have is unprecedented time to spend with our families that we don't normally have and may never get again. I feel like the universe has been flashing the yield sign. And when we didn't, it decided to do it for us, something to make us look at each other again in the eyes and remember who we are as individuals, families, and communities. Time to be still, recalibrate, to do the little things that we haven't done because we've been so busy that we forgot we even enjoyed it. Mm. Love that. And, um, you know, it's so hard, like you said, to tell Melody to take some time to recalibrate. <laughs> and she's like, yo, you can take one of my kids if you want me to recalibrate. <laughs> recalibrate. I get it. Or all five. But, right. But um, 
you need we need this a little bit and i'm seeing it in myself especially right now like like i you know i started a new job um just literally just before they locked all the airports out i got home you know i from north carolina and um you know and then they closed the schools and you know everyone's home and then cheryl has to figure out how to teach kindergarten um kindergarten online uh, who does that um right. and but you know we've still tried to find like i've loved taking walks and i was never a taking walk guy i'm not a take let's go take a walk type of person but i found that i was even like the other day i had like a free 45 minutes and i'm like let's go for a walk i was volunteering like that's how you know where we've come to where i'm the guy saying okay let's all get shoes i have 45 minutes where i have no meetings let's go for a walk uh mm-hmm. and so all four of us go for a walk and i'm wondering i guess I, and and I don't actually I wouldn't mind asking both of you what what are we what are we doing um what are you doing right now to kind of fulfill this idea this time uh that you have to spend maybe a little more time appreciating your family despite the situations that we're finding ourselves in and or time to reflect or think about what you're doing in your work or your life. Um, what have you been trying to do to make that a reality? Um, Mandy. Yeah, well, I, I do think that, um, you know, trying to think positive, uh, amidst these kinds of circumstances, as hard as it can seem sometimes is really, I mean, it really is super important when, you know, just when you talk about the brain, the things that we do, Um, most are the things that our brain is going to want to continue to do. So if we continue to think negatively and complain, um, our brain is going to continue to do that. If we start to feel, you know, start to think more positively and practice gratitude, our brain is going to rewire and it's going to start to do that. And so um, I I think there are things that we can find that feel uh, feel more positive in the midst of this. You know, I got to put a puzzle together with my daughter at one point and my one, one of my sons is is still up in college, but the other one got to come home, uh, you know, get to spend almost an entire semester with him in the whole summer. And um, there have been a lot of really sad things that have happened, but I really do believe that you know, kind of what I said about the universe flashing the yield sign, like, I feel like we were going a million miles an hour. And we weren't stopping. And so whoever you believe handles that kind of stuff was like, hey, now, (laughs) enough is enough. I've warned you and it's not working. So I'm going to do something about it. And, And when you think about the significance of the pandemic and what what's happened, you know, um, I've heard people com- compare it to 9-11, and it does feel very 9-11-esque, uh, except that that was just the United States. And we actually have this very strange connection around the world with people right now who are all mm-hmm. experiencing the same thing. And um, it's forced everybody to slow down. And um, And I think we can take advantage of that by looking at the people around us and going, wow, hey, 
I can't remember the last time I stopped and looked at you in the eyes, you know, and, and actually mm-hmm. noticed you and had a conversation where I stopped what I was doing and talked to you. And, and I think that can be a really powerful way to, you know, kind of take some of that positivity out of the situation. And I would say for myself, some similar things, uh, things that I would say I didn't do very often. I'm doing very often now, even things as they would seem kind of like things you should be doing as a father, uh, shooting basketball with your kid every day. It wasn't something I was doing every day. I might've done it once on the weekend, once every couple of weeks or something like that, where now you are spending significant amount of times playing pretend, drawing things, playing Legos, doing some things where you were like in the, you know, in just the recent past, you were saying, I don't have time to be able to do this, this, and this, because I have to do all of this other things, you know? Um, so you can kind of put those things aside. I, I, I have found just looking around in my neighborhood, more connections between parents and their kids than I've ever seen. And we live in this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. suburbia, basically. That's the best way to be able to describe it. It was a, is a, is the, the antithesis of where I thought I would ever live. <laughs> But as we moved here, and we moved here in early August, beautiful days in Minnesota, and we went and we set up our basketball goal, and we were outside shooting, we were riding bikes around the neighborhood, and we noticed nobody was out. Nobody was doing anything outside, ever. Like, we could could we couldn't, we didn't even, we're like, there has to be kids here somewhere. The exact opposite is the case now, and as Mandy was describing, the weather has been horrible. But that doesn't matter. People are outside and they're walking their dogs, they're riding bikes, they're shooting bass, they're they're but they're with their kids. They're not just by themselves. So I can kind of see exactly what you're describing there, Maddie. It's like this it's a phenomenon, I think, which for a positive, something positive we can take off from this. And if you were describing Mike, well, how you know, looking forward, you know, those kinds of things. This is one of those things that's kind of indescribable that we can actually take from this has nothing to do with online teaching or how we do this or whatever it might be. We, we all know those are the types of things that we're going to have those conversations about. It's just about like, how do we treat each other and what kind of time and effort do we spend with the people that we love, you know, versus the things that keep us busy. Um, and I've, I have found that that's, that even in just this, and it's just been a really short period of time, if you guys think about this, it feels like mm-hmm. it's been forever. It has yeah. felt like forever for me. Like so this has like felt like a new lifetime, like a lifetime of our like lives. A, yeah, like a different <laughs> life. This is that this is because I remember yeah. that previous life when I was with you guys in in Florida. We're not long ago. <laughs> I know, but it feels yeah. like it's like Crazy. it was years ago. And then now we've been in this kind of thing. It hasn't been really that long, but it has felt like a, a significant shift has happened. And in this case, for the positives. I, I actually hope that it's something that, that doesn't go away. That feeling of uh, being appreciative of our family, uh, even if they're driving us uh, nuts sometimes. I know a, a friend of mine put out on, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. A friend of mine put out on Facebook the other day. So are you married during the pandemic? And if so, how's that going? <laughs> like, <that kind> of, <laughs> You can only be together for so long. Um, but 
uh, you know, that feeling gratitude towards the people that that you're with or the people that you can't see right now. You know, I had put a, a tweet out um, on Twitter a few weeks ago, or a week ago or something. I have no idea what time or day it is. Um, and it said something like, what's something from the pandemic, uh, from pre-pandemic that you miss and you can't wait to do it again? And a lot of people said, hug my grandkids, hug my, my college student, hug, hug, you know, somebody that they love that they can't be with right now. And, and that's something that I hope doesn't go away, that we remember how awful it is to be without these people in our lives, that we can be appreciative of having them uh, post-pandemic. Tell our audience a little bit about this new book that you're writing or that you wrote, Reignite the Flames. I, I, everything that's, that I, I've read about from you has to do with a lot of fire, and, <laughs> which kind of fits your personality anyway. I think it fits perfectly. So this is reigniting the flames. Yes. So, yeah, so tell us a little bit about Yeah, I stick with the fire theme. <laughs> yes. Uh, fire theme is kind of throughout all three of them. I couldn't help it. Um, I actually thought about going with water, but the fire just made more sense. So I went with that. Um, so Reignite the Flames is probably honestly, uh, the fire within is my favorite book. Reignite the Flames is definitely challenging that one. Um, it is, it's taken all of the research I've done, all of the, uh, you know, kind of blabbering I've, I've gone on about teacher engagement and puts it all together, um, and, and really discusses, you know, what, uh, teacher engagement and disengagement is, you know, the, the mental health aspect that I've been talking about for a couple of years, as far as what causes disengagement, some of that is mental health. And so it goes through like, uh, personal adversity, professional adversity, um, burnout, demoralization, secondary traumatic stress, and teacher trauma. Uh, teacher trauma is probably the most, uh, the one that I've, that I've added in the most recently <clears throat> as a reason to disengage. And, uh, that's defined as things like, um, uh, active shooter drills, um, a student passing away in your own classroom, um, a student becoming violent and physically or verbally assaulting you. So that would be mm. uh, one of those things that was kind of added in recently. And so it talks about uh, about the reasons for disengagement and then goes through uh, what happens to your body under stress, what your brain and, uh, you know, actually happens in your brain and in your body um, during uh times of, you know, whether it's just like chronic stress or high stress. And then um, we kind of flips on the other side and starts talking about uh, what positivity and gratitude do to your brain and body, um, and then how you can re-engage if you have become disengaged. And so it really is, um, it, you know, talks... Uh, a lot about just the different ways that you become disengaged. And one of the reasons I'm super passionate about it is because I hear a lot of people talking about burnout, which I think is great. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, go through a period of, I think some burnout in our profession is, is natural every mm -hmm. year, particularly around fart, you know, like February and March when it just yeah. like, <laughs> agreed, <laughs> everything just stinks. And so, um, <laughs> It, uh, <laughs> we kind of just to play um, the play on words to its natural conclusion, <laughs> I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> we understood. We'll just, we'll just let that one go. Huh. Um, but the, um, 
Yeah, so a lot of people talk about burnout, but the fact of the matter is, is that there are a lot of different reasons that you can disengage. And so I I usually give the example of um, if you are burnt out, one of the ways to heal is to kind of pull back, right? Like stop doing as much as you're doing. But if you're demoralized, which can look a lot like burnout, um, Mm. if you're demoralized, the, the way that you heal is actually to dig into uh, what your identity is as an educator and and start working um, towards like passion projects and stuff like that. So it's not pulling back. So if you're constantly saying that everything is burnout, um, it's possible you're not healing from the thing you actually need to heal from. And so hmm. I've been, uh, you know, kind of passionate about making sure all of those areas are understood. That's really interesting. Yes, it is. It, I, it, yeah, you know, we I we talk we could talk all the time. I I love that you're one of the people we hang out with all the time at, at conferences and stuff because you, you say so many fascinating things that that I could just spend a half another hour just talking about that one thing. Um, so that, that's really fascinating. Um, we we tend to leave people um, with with um, one last question. Um, uh, I would love to know, and this this would be great for the people listening to. Um, what are three pieces of media that can be a video, a podcast, a, a book, something you're reading, some some sort of piece of media that you've consumed recently that has um, made you think or inspired you, uh, framed the way you're thinking right now. Um, why don't you share um, three of those? We'd, we'd love to hear what you're what you've been reading or looking up or listening to. Sure. Um, well, I. Um, oh, my gosh, a lot of what I've been reading and listening to and and researching has really been to do with the book because I've been you know finishing that up. And and so um, yeah. <laughs> I'll kind of be around some of the same things. Um, one of the books that. Uh, I really love is called Purposeful Hustle and it's by Deanna Singh and it is um, about how you find not only find your uh, purpose but really live within that purpose and um, you know make decisions based on what you feel your purpose is and so uh, there are that I've I've been reading that lately Um, I've also been reading or I finished reading Demoralized um, by I'll have to look it up. Doris, I think it's um, Doris Santoro, I think it is. Uh, and and that book is uh, completely on demoralization in the education profession. There's a lot of um, stories in there of teachers uh, becoming demoralized and what that looks like and what they say and how you can re-engage. And that book has been um, a huge part of some of my uh, demoralization research. And then finally, um, the other book that I, that I dug out and I've been reading lately is called Left Behind. Um, it's the story of the, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm almost embarrassed I'm reading this right now during the pandemic, but it's, uh, the story of, um, when everybody gets brought back to heaven during the rapture. Yes, you it's, are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was so like, I is there more than it. one, like, is there more than one left behind book? I like you saw it on camera. I did like a dog 
head tilt because I'm like, wait, wait, wait for it. Yeah. So I, I, I won't read lie. The series I won't lie. Ago. It's an incredibly well written book. It's super interesting, you know, so I'm not particularly religious. And I mean, yeah. I have some beliefs, but to, you know, to say I'm like straight Catholic or Christian, I'm not. And, um, but I find that belief system fascinating. And so I love, I loved the books when I first read them. Um, I'm, I'm loving it the, you know, the second time that I'm reading them, but there was just something that said to me, you should rebuy this book and you should read it again. I'm like, I can't tell people that because it sounds so weird, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people contact you, Mandy? How can people get a hold of you? Twitter, social media, go to give your information out. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at www.mandyfralick.com and actually www.divergentedu.com will get you to the same place. It's easier to spell than my last name. Um, at Freilich M will get you, uh, will help you find me on Twitter and then, um, Mandy Freilich on LinkedIn and Instagram. Very good. Mandy Freilich, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. You guys are my favorite. I love being on this podcast. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support on education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation. There, you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. It helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.